At Parker, our purpose is simple. We want to make the world a better place. By working more efficiently. By using more sustainable practices. By developing better technologies. We keep moving forward. With each new idea, innovation, and partnership, we're one step closer to fulfilling our purpose every single day. To find out more, visit parker.com slash purpose. Parker, engineering your success. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the penultimate episode of Thunderstruck, our look back at the career and uh, significant matches, the greatest matches, if you will, of one Fusion Thunder Liger. My name is W.H. Park, and I'm the co-host of the sometimes, no, oftentimes, monthly post-pro-res podcast with John Pollock. And joining me today is someone who is also affiliated with John Pollock. He is the... Uh, the one of the masterminds behind the entirety of post wrestling. Uh, he is waiting. Way, how are you today? I'm doing very well. Very happy to speak to one of the one half of the very popular post Perez Hispanic speaking Japanese wrestling radio show. Oh, curse you, Brandon from New Jersey, for getting that off the ground. Mister Post Perez himself, I love it. Well, we I was you know I was talking to our mutual uh, friend Robert Pearson. Yes. Uh, last night, actually, and and maybe uh, we'll try to he, he, we'll try to get some kind of design for a T-shirt for Post Perez. But but Brandon from New Jersey, you are not seeing a single red cent, red, <laughs> Canadian red cent of the, the 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 royalties from that T-shirt. Just so you know, right here off the bat. Yeah, yeah. Um, with uh, we'll, we'll we'll make sure of that. Definitely, well, it's going to be in the rider, the contract yeah. that we have. For I, I, I think he should pay. Works. Actually, like he should. Oh, he would us. buy it. Yeah, he would buy it for sure. He should buy. Like Brandon 10. would definitely buy that. He'll buy. He'll buy like one for himself, and he'll buy like like one for everyone in in the secret chat group. So that that would be like you know Neil from from Ireland and and, and uh, a bunch of other people. Maybe he'll buy one for Scrump and and a couple of several other people in that group. Uh, maybe he'll even. Be so kind to buy one from MJ from NJ because, like, they they are good friends, you know. Despite what they each individually say to me, you know, complaining about the, the one or the other, I, I'm like just throwing everyone under the bus right now. This is just a joke. By I didn't but, realize. Like, I'm he, sure he. W- I didn't realize it was such a secret society of all you guys, like just talking uh, in your side chats and your Twitter DMs. Um, who know what's what sort of vitriol goes on in that vitriol world? vitriol is usually. I don't know, like, you know, just dumb stuff, like, that we see on Twitter. It's like, this person tweeted this, and we're like, instead of, like, responding it and just adding fuel to the fire, we just we just make fun of these people on our own uh, little chat group. So it could be wrestlers, could be other, you know, you know, prominent wrestling podcasters or, you know, journalists, whatever, or it's just, you know, other Twitter users usually, or, or people we know. How, how does one even join this secret society? Is it invite only? It is invite only. I, I, I sometimes post names on the group and say, "How about this person?" And <laughs> and then they say, usually it's Brandon. He'll say okay, or he'll say no. 
So there's a vetting process. Like everybody has to agree. Well, who's who's I, I, not been able to make it in? Can you? Can I can't you? say. Oh, okay. I can't say. It would it would literally cause problems. I think if I said who's wow. not allowed to now join. Wow. Now I really want to know. You can join, but I don't. I don't think you'd enjoy it that much. No, because be then you can't talk shit about me. No, we don't talk. No, listen. There's a lot of love for both yourself and for DJ Jopo on on the uh, secret chat group there. Well, I'm I'm very fascinated. I one day I I hope to be able to hack into this group just to see what you guys are talking about. If you really want to join, wait, you're more than welcome to come in. I just don't know if you'd enjoy it or not. I I'm I'm good. I'm okay. I'll, I'll okay. enjoy it from a distance. But but we're not here to talk about secret chat groups. We're here to talk about one legendary professional wrestler, Jushin Thunder Liger. And my question for you right off the bat way is like, what does Jushin Liger mean for you personally as a wrestling fan? What does he mean to me? He means, um, well, I'll, I'll tell you like how I first found out about Liger. And, you know, listening to the show, I think a lot of people either find out about him through, I guess, tape trading or through uh, WCW, I would say. A lot of people seem to, to have found him that way. Um, I found him through through this uh, little thing called SmackDown 2 Know Your Role for the PlayStation 1. I don't know if you're familiar with it. Um, I, I've never played it, no. It was, it, it was basically my summer of 2001 was spent entirely on this stupid game. I was a PlayStation guy, so I didn't have No Mercy. I didn't have World Tour. I didn't have all those uh, AKI games. I had... Well, first I had WCW Thunder, which was just shit. Like the first THQ games were just terrible, but then they got they got it in, in bed with um uh, uh, WWE, and then they got the Ux engine, and that made vast improvements, and that turned into the SmackDown series, which I think is still somehow like, I mean, I get I I don't know if the current system is like a, a sort of like a affiliated or at least Ux was, was working with them all the way. Anyway, so Know Your Role was the second iteration of it, but I believe like the creator wrestler in the second one. You had like various different outfits that that you could uh, use to to create your own guys, and they would throw in like leftover outfits, I suppose, from their like New Japan game or from their other Japanese games. So like you can go through this like create a wrestler, and you can find Masawa's pants. You could find like you know, uh, for instance, Gold Dust's whole like suit, even though he wasn't with the company anymore. And then you could find Jushin Liger's outfit. So, like, at the time, I didn't know really who Liger was, like, probably 2000, 2001. I didn't really know who he was. But then I saw this, like, this outfit. I'm like, what is this really ugly-looking outfit? Like, these really disgusting pants. This, like, really weird kind of, like, centerpiece on, on the chest. It looks really strange. They even had the mask as well. So, like... I later came to realize that, oh, this guy is modeled after an actual wrestler. So this was all about uh, at about the same time that I started to. Uh, I, yes. Were you going to say something? No, no, go ahead. I was going to I was going to say, like, I will hear no slander about Jishin Thunder Liger's outfit. Well, I mean, listen, this this was my very uninitiated uh, brain, right? Like just, you know, if you were to see one of these things like at, at like a Uniqlo or something, like I don't think you would pick it up, WH, right? I'm talking about like if this was like a real shirt, what he's wearing. 
Well, no, I wouldn't wear it myself, but I mean, it looks good on him. Like, there's a lot of people whose uh, you know gear looks good on them. I would never wear it in real life. That's the thing. Okay, so I'm like, I'm purely judging this just from a a, a novice aesthetic standpoint. I'm like, what are what are these really ugly pants? So then, um, like, I, I, this was all about the same time that I started to discover Japanese wrestling. I I started to download a lot of wrestling matches through this like FTP thing that I, I found. And I realized Jushin Liger was uh, a name that I would commonly see. In fact, like, I mean, the Super J Cup, like for many people, was one of the first things that is recommended when you're getting into Japanese wrestling. And he was obviously, you know, a guy who was plastered all over that show. All the, the, that J Cup, the 95 J Cup, um, started getting to all, a whole bunch of his other matches, discovered that this guy, you know, was a creator of a lot of my favorite wrestling moves including the shooting star press. And then I just became a big Liger, Liger fan from that point on. So I, I made Liger in the game, like played with his moveset in the game is amazing. Like he does like, a, he's the only guy that you can choose who can do the shooting star press as a regular move. Like he, you know, normally if you want to use, use the shooting star press, you have to, you can only select it as a finisher. They don't let you go like, down x when you're on the ter- top turnbuckle to do a shooting star press if you want to do that though you have to choose jushin liger's custom move set so you know a uh, very young waiting knew from that point on wow this guy must be really good and it was he was i um you know fell in love with his matches the theme song oh my god so that kind of like you know became uh started my minor obsession with with him as sort of like the one, one of my leading figures um with my uh, new new like fandom of Japanese professional uh, professional wrestling, um, I ended up having like the pleasure of seeing him live many times in my life. The first time actually at St. John's Hall, Mississauga. I don't know if you were at that show, the UWA I, show. Who who is who is who's like wrestling? Who's who's he wrestling against? Was he in a tag match? I think it was a tag match. He, it, it was probably something involving Ultimo and possibly a very young Kazuchika Okada. I I want to say like he was teaming maybe against the machine guns at the time could have been something like that it's a very i've seen i was probably at that show i've seen i've seen pretty much i think everything he ever did at at uh, st john's hall for the uwa hardcore promotion so i would be probably at that show again maybe that maybe that was one of the first times we met i think i met you at a grady's the first time though yeah, I would probably say so. Yeah, well, maybe maybe I just saw you there again. Yeah, those were sort of like the big hangouts, I think, for a lot of the people. Certainly for those shows, you know, getting Jushin Lager into this, like, local indie show was, I think, uh, a big deal to to all wrestling fans in Toronto. So, yeah, that's that's a bit about, about my own personal history. So he just, he, he exists as a guy who's really good at, in the video game. That's what he means to me. And then... You know, you and I, along with John, had the pleasure of like seeing his last two matches at the Tokyo Dome for both days of Wrestle Kingdom, and then, of course, the big, the real main event of that weekend was the the, the retirement ceremony of Jushin Liger at Oda City Ward uh, Gymnasium. And as a fan, like I, I'm going to save my feelings about that with because those three days are going to be discussed with John on on next week's episode. But how did you feel being able to like be able to say to yourself and maybe to like wrestling fans? And wrestling other your other friends who like wrestling that hey I was there for the literally the end of Jushin Thunder Liger's in ring career. I felt incredibly privileged to to be there for the entire weekend, but specifically for that you know, and to be able to get a ticket to that particular show that was a a very coveted ticket. So thank you very much to our friend Fraser for uh, uh, managing to to help us snag some tickets 
to that event. Uh, so yeah, I just feel incredibly privileged because I know how much Liger means to everybody around the world and to be one of the select few to be able to go into that building to see that um, his the final moments of his actual in-ring career and to uh, enjoy that live sing-along to his theme song. That, that was uh, certainly one of the highlights of my entire trip. Yeah, definitely. Along with uh, all the food you ate, I was like uh, jealously following your your Instagram and uh, other social media way, like when we had uh, separated our kind of our, our trips, you and uh, your now fiance had gone off to Kyoto and such. And I was uh, still in Tokyo with John and, and Martin Bushby and his wife, Lisa. And it was fun still, but we were like, we were definitely missing the, the two of you on our trips, especially I was like, oh. Oh my God, that's that, all that food looks amazing. He's eating better food than I do. And, and I live here. You, If you ever go to Hakone, you got to go to this place called Hakone Cheese. They've got this like cheese ice cream that is amazing all right i i, I have been to hakone i don't think i've ever been to hakone cheese so i will uh make that on the uh on the bucket list for myself in the near future i i, I do plan on going to hakone it, you know soon just to for for going to shrines and things like that because i collect these uh stamps that you can get at different um shinto shrines and buddhist temples throughout uh throughout japan but uh let's get back on track let's talk about today's episode and and way who are we going to talk about along with jushin liger who is jushin liger facing in the match that you personally chose we will be talking about one samoan submission machine samoa joe you might also know him as uh um uh the 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 guy who uh helps um uh, lead around uh okado um the guy who had his girlfriend kidnapped by uh, some dude in TNA, uh, the guy who paints his face. So that, so that, so, but, so, but you know how I know him as? I know him as the guy who refed a, a grappling match between you and Court Bauer. That happened as well. Yeah, sometimes I forget about that. But yeah, no. So Mojo is one of my favorite wrestlers, uh, not because of of any association I might have with him uh, in my grappling career, but just simply because he's. I think he is really one of the best and. I wanted to talk about this particular match because it took me back to a time where um, I think I was like most obsessed with Samoa Joe's career. And also uh, for me personally, I think this was like a very uh, uh, unique time as well because TNA was just starting and me being a part of the Fight Network at the time, we were just launching and we kind of had a bit of a connection to the start of this show. And I guess maybe I I can get into a bit of that right now where... um, this show took place at this match took place at Bamford Glory 2005 and 2 days before that show was the Fight Network's official launch party. This was, you know, the famed big big giant party in the Cool House. You you probably have been to the Cool House many times, right? WH. I think I've been there maybe once or twice. You know how big of a venue it is, right? Like they they hold like pretty big concerts in there. Yes. Yeah. So this little category 2 Canadian television station <laughs> Decided to rent out this whole thing to to have this giant launch party, um, just you know, just to celebrate its existence, and um, we so so there were there was like a what is it like a Muay Thai demonstration? There was a this local boxer Steve Molitor had an actual pro boxing match. There was no MMA in Ontario at the time, but you did have like you know celebrities like Chuck Liddell, Gary Goodrich, Carlos Newton, Frank Trigg, All these guys were there. But the main event to somebody like me, and to I think a lot of people that were there, was a set of matches from TNA Wrestling. 
Fight Network, uh, we didn't air Impact, but we picked up, I think, their secondary show, Explosion, which, you know, at the time was a big deal for us. So we had a, a, an association as a Canadian broadcaster for Impact. And as part of it, we welcomed them to this launch party in order to wrestle some matches. And among the crop were Jeff Jarrett, Rhino, Sabu, and Samoa Joe. And this was, again, two days before Bound for Glory. Um, and so it was actually my job as a very young 21-year-old intern at the Fight Network to wrangle talent and show them around the building. Um, so I had the pleasure uh, of welcoming a very disheveled Jeff Jarrett uh, coming back from probably a very long travel day. Uh, and he he looked a little anxious to me and just stressed out about something. And all he really wanted to know was like where he was supposed to be. On the other hand, Samoa Joe, very calm. Like just, you know, like he was just chilling. And I was a big fan of his at the time because, like, not only did we air uh, TNA, we also aired Ring of Honor. And I was responsible for, like, you know, segmenting commercial breaks into a lot of those tapes. So I've seen pretty much his entire run um, as champion. So I was really excited to not just meet him, but, like, I was excited to, you know, for for this match against Liger that was just announced. And so, you know, I didn't have much of a, a chance to talk to any of them. But I was like, I asked him, I asked Joe if he was excited for this Liger match coming up. And Joe was just like, yeah, yeah, it should be great. So it was a terrible conversation, but it was only notable because he then proceeded to whistle the Jushin Liger theme. And it was like a we- weird, stupid moment that I somehow still remember. I, I kind of wish you were filming this and had this for posterity. Oh, <laughs> well, that would have been made things even more awkward. So, um, yeah, so uh, that was that's sort of like my personal connection with the match. I mean, my expectations were certainly very high for it. You have to remember that, you know, this was a time when, when Joe, I would say, was one of the hottest things in professional wrestling right now. Certainly, if we're talking on WWE, he had that monumental run with the ROH title. He he, you know, seemed like he was finally set to make the jump to the national stage with TNA. And then uh, as well, like he was just coming off of that classic with, with Kobashi just three weeks before this. So that coupled with, I think, all the buzz coming off of like TNA getting the deal with Spike, uh, that show debuting just like three three weeks prior, kind of like created this great deal of anticipation for that show. But in particular for me, and I think a lot of people, this particular match. Yeah, definitely I, myself, I was really hyped when this match was announced back in uh, 2005. I was like, whoa, I, was, I like yourself. I was a big Samoa Joe fan. And of course, I'd been a fan of Liger for years and years. And I just thought, wow, this should be good because like, if there's one, you know, big man in wrestling at that time who was really well known for working with opponents who were faster and smaller than him and who he could keep pace with, it was Samoa Joe. Like you look at his matches with Loki, with Ryan Danielson, with AJ Styles, Amazing Red and a host of other people. You, you, you got to think the formula is there. The, the skill set in Joe is there to have, an amazing match with one of the legends in Jushin Liger. Uh, let's go to the match itself. So as you said, wait, this is from uh, 2005's edition of uh, TNA Bound for Glory, emanating from Universal Studios on October 23rd, 2005. And this is the opening match for that particular pay-per-view. And they start off really you know, hot, in my opinion, because they, they Joe comes out with members of his uh, Polynesian uh, uh, family dance troupe. And they perform a traditional, I guess, Samoan dance or Polynesian dance. I'm not exactly sure which which one it is. But I thought this was just an amazing way, not only to start the, the match itself, but the, the show in general. Absolutely. Any sort of like, you know, unique entrance automatically makes you pay attention, especially when it comes to pro wrestling, because I think they happen um, 
somewhat rarely, you know, only reserved for, for you know, uh, your tentpole events like a WrestleMania or I guess in this case, a Bad for Glory. Um, but this was, it, it, it totally got me in the mood and signified to me that this was going to be a special match, gave it a big fight feel. And as you mentioned, this was, I believe, Joe's family's business, the TRA Warriors. Uh, so Joe, I believe, used to perform with them when he was young. So he was here busted a move. Yeah, just I'm sure it was like just uh, 30 minutes of uh, rehearsal. And he was like, oh, I remember all this stuff. Let's go out. Let's go do it. Um, as you were saying before, he's kind of on a hot streak right now. So he's still undefeated, at least in TNA at this point. So he's just coming in to this match with a ton of momentum. Uh, Liger is out next and they're playing his theme, Ikari no Jushin. And I made a note, Wei, that at least TNA, for all their faults, at least TNA used his fucking theme song, unlike the multi-billion dollar wrestling company, WCW. Well, you know what? Uh, it makes me wonder about that because I certainly, I would say, the, the reason why Liger is even on this show, I, I would have to assume it would be because uh, by this point, he, he had really grown in stature as sort of, you know, a, a bit of a legend even without having made any recent appearances in North American television, at least, you know, if you don't count Ring of Honor. Um, and in 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 that time, probably with the internet, probably with, you know, that much more kind of like uh, time on his actual career, like this song is as big of a part of his his whole like aura as as the costume, as the, the moves, like especially towards the the end of his career i would i would say like this song is like half of the appeal to me well i'm just saying why why don't didn't they ever use it in in wcw because what they had the relationship with new japan and they just you know they just put the same music on his entrance in wcw that they put on like ultimo dragon on any pretty much anyone else except for, for members of NW Japan, like everyone else, had the same generic, you know, quote unquote, Oriental music to come out to with Sunny Ono. Could it be because they did at the time they did not recognize, or at least North American audiences did not really recognize that song as that big of a deal? I mean, even if like North American audiences did, certainly the producers of WCW, um, outside of maybe a select few, I don't know if they would have. Whereas I feel like. Whoever was putting this match together, or at least suggested this match together, I think recognized that this song had had become as you know a, just a vital part of the whole package. Well, at the very least, I'm really happy that TNA decided to use his theme, and I thought it really added to his entrance here. Mm -hmm. uh, doing the ring announcing is one uh, Jeremy Borash, and uh, I have to say, I made a note that it sounds like he's announcing Liger as Jason Thunder Liger. Maybe that was going to be his new American gimmick. He's going to be called. <laughs> Jason, Jason Liger, and he wow. his his he'd wear like instead of like the full body costume, he'd wear like you know a sweater, a collared shirt underneath, and and some khakis and some uh, hockey masks. No, 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 no. He, he Jason. He he. Jason, I just had this image. Hockey mask. Nah, not that Jason. I was just thinking of like some suburban dad. That he's Jason Liger. He's the guy next door. That Got that it. would you know like that that would be something like definitely Russo would do maybe and he's like oh i gotta make it up to liger for what i did with him and hoovy in that iwgp junior heavyweight title match with the tequila on the pole shit and i know i'll make him a suburban dad that'll that'll be funny anyways thank god they didn't do that but i'm just saying it sounded like borash was saying jason i just think probably it's it's the nature of his voice but uh the fans really respond to liger uh, in his entrance they give him a big response they throw the the streamers in for him the the very uh crappy like 
North American style streamers that you can buy at any party store, I think. And instead of the well-balanced and, and, and very well-prepared Japanese streamers that you see a lot of fans do at Japanese shows. Wait. I, I didn't realize there was a difference between North American and Japanese streamers. They've they've really perfected the 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 the, the balance and the the art of the stream. Is that it? Well, they weight them at the at the tips, right? And then they roll them up very carefully and then they bring them in special containers to oh. like, to to keep them for like okay, so this wrestler colors are like for example, so let's say Kodabushi, you would throw white and blue and gold for him, right? So you would keep Th- those that those colors separate and just for him in, in one container and then like liger would be uh red and white you keep his streamers for him it, it really makes me laugh when i see like roh shows from this time or even now like people throwing streamers for certain wrestlers and it's like it doesn't match their colors it's whatever you found like if you really want to emulate japanese fans people go go research how to make proper streamers but you remember we were at the stardom show uh at shinkiba mm-hmm. on january 3rd was it, it was a third yeah and there was a fan in front of us yeah. and he he is known like at tokyo shows for throwing streamers for all for multiple wrestlers and he he just had them all prepared like in special like you know rectangular cylinders for okay this wrestler has these colors and, and so forth and so on and i got to see them and i was like wow okay there's like kind of a, a small i guess like it's a plastic weight i don't think it's hopefully it's not metallic but you got to be careful when you throw these things and that's why you always see wrestlers kind of like duck when they're thrown in because they don't want to get hit in the head by the the tip of the the streamer. I had no idea. I had no idea there was such a science behind it. I feel like I could listen to a whole podcast just about Japanese streaming technology. I should try to find someone who speaks good enough English and do a segment with them and put it on the next uh, and on a future post Perez. What do you think, Way? What yeah, what what you know, what do you see what is the history of stream streamers and what is the future of streamers? Holograms. Holographic Holographic streamers. streamers? I think streamers that are on fire. That'd be cool. Imagine just the big stream of fire going into the wrestler's ring. Um well, you, you might not want that in Cork and Hall. Like, uh, one particular wrestler almost burned down Cork and Hall with, with like doing a a fire match. So I don't think Cork and Hall would uh, would allow that. They'd probably just ban streamers altogether. So we don't necessarily want to see that. Way holograms, holograms safe, safe yeah. harmless. Just maybe some radiation there, but like uh, fire, not, not not so much. But back to the match. Our, our announced team is Mike Tanay and Don West. And I thought they they did a really good job throughout this whole show, especially of course Mike Tanay. Yeah. who really knows his Japanese professional wrestling. You know, you really couldn't ask for a better English play-by-play commentator at the time to to call, you know, a, a Jushin Liger match. Um, I would certainly say he was the best. I think Moro actually would have done a really good job too, but at the time he wasn't really known for um, his wrestling stuff yet. He was still with Pride doing all, a lot of that. And uh, But yeah, Tanay, top-notch. You know, like th- this team of Tanay and West, I, I think at the time I, I enjoyed them. Um, though... I have to say, sometimes they were a little too intense for my taste, you know, like intense without any variation, like even for a, like they're usually at, at like an 11 and even for a chin lock, they're still at an 11. Um, but that said, like these days, I, w- I would certainly still take them over many other commentary teams. Definitely. And we get a shot of uh, one Simon Inoki in the crowd looking bored out of his mind, Joey. Is this how he always looks? 
I'm pretty sure he didn't look this way like when he's at a New Japan show. I'm I'm sure he's just like, why am I here? The show just started. Why are we in bed with these people? They don't even know how to, how to use Okada. Oh my god! I don't know if this is during the Okada time, but like, no, I, I, I'm what? pretty sure he's not that familiar with most of the TNA talent. But he just looks bored. I'm sure he was like in meetings with Jeff Jarrett the whole day. So just maybe sick of like the well, this would have been Florida, right? Universal Studios, yeah, yeah. So, so yeah, yeah. Uh, was this, I guess, the beginning of that TNA New Japan relationship? Can't exactly remember, like what point it was in but i think they were like they had already been in bed for several for several months i don't know like how long actually by in 2005 we'd have to look that up and and i'll ask on, john uh, ask point. john on a, on a on a future episode of uh rewind a raw or rewind a smackdown or dynamite whichever one you you, you remember maybe like at the beginning of uh when we when we dropped this episode the week we dropped this episode you're gonna have to ask john like how how long was TNA in bed with uh, New Japan at that time? Well, I'll just edit. Uh, I'll just cut it in and pretend I I came up with it myself. <laughs> we can do that as well. The the magic of uh, uh, modern day uh, editing yeah. uh, suites in, in in audio, right? And and your of course your tremendous skills. I don't know if you've if you've heard some of the uh, you know the outtakes of other episodes that I've sent you way, but many, many, some of the some of the guests thank you for your hard work and and it's it's deeply appreciated by myself as well. Oh, it's no problem. I'm very happy to do it. Uh, I mean, you guys put in so much hard work in creating the content. So the least I could do is try to make it sound as good as possible. And uh, I I have to commend you, WH, for uh, your great internet connection. And I would say you probably learned a whole lot about audio recording yourself throughout this this entire process. Yes, I I, I, thanks to your uh, tutorship, mentorship. Descriptions are always on point. The links always work. Thank I'm, you. The great system we got going on. I, I'm uh, I'm doing my best here. Uh, back to the ring. Let's actually start talking about the, the match itself. Oh, yeah. uh, they start the match. They circle each other in the uh, six sided ring. So TNA is using the six sided ring at this point, and they immediately lock up. Dro- Joe throws Liger off twice, demonstrating his superior strength. Liger tries for a couple of uh, shoulder tackles to no avail due to uh, Joe's superior size and strength. Uh, Liger tells Joe to hit the ropes, and then he catches Joe with a drop toe hold and drop kick to the head. So he's at this point, he's still smarter than Samoa Joe Way. Yes, where he can't match Joe for size, he can mar- uh, match him with experience and pure wit in the form of this drop toe hold that uh, caught Samoa Joe completely off guard. From here, Liger sends Joe to the outside. He psychs him out with uh, faking a dive and then catches him with a drop kick through the ropes, which allows Liger to climb to the top turnbuckle, and he hits Joe with a crossbody block onto the floor. It's like, wow, this guy is like now in his late 30s, early 40s, and he's doing like these crazy moves off the top rope still. Yeah, yeah, certainly. When did he stop doing that? Like, what? What? I guess, you know, what? at what point did he like stop... Because I, I wouldn't even say this was that high risk at all. But, like, when did you start to see his career slow down, at least in terms of, like, dives? I I really think he stopped doing a lot of this stuff with the, the rise of, you know, like, re, re, re-emergence of New Japan as a very prominent uh, wrestling company in Japan where they, you know, they had Tanahashi, they had, you know, Okada in the wings, and they had Nakamura, and... I think Ghetto had joined the booking team. I, you, I think for him, he saw like, I don't need to do this anymore because you got all these younger guys 
who can do all this crazy stuff. And you don't really need me to do this anymore. So I, I'm going to say maybe a little after 2010 is when you really see him like just cut back. Not only on his in-ring style, but like as on his schedule as well, where he's not really wrestling singles anymore. He's not trying to be in all the tournaments anymore. He's really cutting back and letting other people have the spotlight, which is a theme I think we'll talk about in this particular match with that he has with Samoa mm. Joe. Uh, back to the match, uh, uh, Joe ca- uh, catches Liger coming off the top again into a fireman's carry and into a Samoan drop. Just a beautiful sequence of moves there. Uh, Joe catches Liger with a running knee to his face while he's in the corner, a signature move of Samoa Joe. Uh, Joe snapmares Liger, chopped to the back, Kick to the front, jump, jumping knee to the chest of Liger. And it's got to suck to be Jushin Liger, even though you know Samojo is a total pro here and probably doing his best not to hurt the legend. You, you still got to think that's a lot of weight coming down on you. Oh, certainly. Yeah. Um, I mean, I I wouldn't volunteer to take one of these. Can you imagine being on the ground and seeing a massive man like Samojo dropping a knee onto your chest? If you're like, oh no, what did I do wrong in my life? It would be. Um... It'd be quite like the VR experience, you know, like, you know, be, you wear like a VR, VR goggles and have some mojo drop a knee on. I, I feel a VR wrestling video game is in the works where you're going to experience like, like these POVs of like, like strikes and, 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 and moves happening to you. I just think it's people are just going to vomit like yeah. playing this game. And, and it's probably not going to be pretty. And they're going to have a massive recall of this thing. The if will- they do do that. Though I I do want them to use the uh, the uh, the AKI engine from, from No Mercy and Virtual Pro Wrestling too because that is the greatest wrestling game. Yeah, we're time. talking like VR experiences with wrestlers. I think the last one I would ever want would be like a Will Osprey VR experience. I think I would just puke. Like I'd I'd want like a maybe more of a Randy Orton VR experience. You know, just kind of chill, chin lock. chin locks, yeah. yeah, stomps, chin lock, RKO, yeah. done. That, that I I can't disagree with you as far as like not wanting to uh, get a motion sickness there. Uh, from there, uh, Joe applies a rear chin lock. Speaking of which, uh, but Liger powers out. He hits the ropes, but uh, uh, Joe catches him in a beautiful power slam for the one two. Uh, back to the chin lock again, and uh, Joe continues his dominance until missing a second running knee, and Liger catches him with a capo kick, one of his signature moves. And and I'm at the point in my fandom of Jushin Liger in 2005, and even, and of course here in 2020 way that like when I see him just hit his signature moves, I just have. Uh, a great sense of nostalgia and just have a big smile on my face, including the capo kick, including the, the show taste, including like the, the Romero special and yes. things like that. How do you feel like when you, when it, when you saw him live, especially mm-hmm. when he's in, in Toronto, like uh, when you get to see these signature moves live, how did that make you feel? Cause I can imagine it's, it's a big pop for a lot of fans. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. I mean, you know, by the time I started watching him and in the times that I've been able to see him live, I don't think he's ever done anything that like crazy fancy, you know, nor do I really expect it. Like he's not pulling off a shooting star press. Um, But like, I don't, I, I, my, you know, I, I didn't cherish it any less when, because he didn't, because I think you get as much of a reaction doing a shote or doing a rolling capo kick and, you know, these are moves that for whatever reason still are, aren't, aren't as like overused and completely like, I would say, um, I don't know, watered down yet. Like nobody delivers a Shote like Liger. Nobody does a Kapu kick like Liger. 
And so to see him do it and have it look as good as it still does, even like towards his last matches that we just saw, um, it's it's always a big reaction. From here, uh, Liger goes for a brain buster. Joe blocks, uh, thankfully for him. Uh, Liger stops on him and hits Joe with a fisherman buster. Holy shit. I got him up for that. I love that he couldn't hit the suplex. And so he stomps on Joe's foot in order to get Joe to lift up his foot so that he could hook him for the fisherman to get that extra leverage. I, I, it's a wonderful little detail. Yeah, it's, and that gets him a two count. Uh, Liger then hits a frog splash, a beautiful looking one for a, a one-two here. Liger misses a shote, and, and Joe hits him with an enziguri. Uh, Liger blocks a top rope move by Joe in the corner and hits him with a uh, power slam for a one and a two. So he, you know, he's also showing like he's deceptively strong himself in this match way. Yes, this was the power bomb or the power slam. Oh, sorry, sorry, the power bomb. My my writing is a little messy here. The power bomb. He hits him with a power bomb, even though he's already up there. But still, to to get that man and, and to maintain the control on him, where you're not just like dropping him. And yes. if it still looks good, it's like very, very impressive. Yeah, yeah. It's probably the only way he was able to powerbomb Samoa Joe. Uh, from here, three Shotes. And finally, like Joe goes down on the third one. Uh, Joe clotheslines Liger with... Uh, ca- no, he catches Liger with a kick to his leg as he's climbing the top rope. Uh, Joe puts him in the muscle buster and then into the coquina clutch and puts Liger to sleep in seven minutes and 27 seconds. So... He doesn't pin him. He puts him to sleep. So this is getting like Joe's finisher, the Coquina Clutch, over really strong that he's able to get like Liger, a legend in professional wrestling, to go to sleep to this. Yeah, passed out. Liger didn't tap. You know, it was, uh, I, I think, a finish that really helped Samoa Joe. And, you know, going back to what you were saying about perhaps Liger um, being selfless and using the time that he has in these feature match- matches to actually showcase the other person. Uh, this this kind of felt like that. I really thought, so this match went like 7 minutes and 27 seconds. I, I think it would have benefited, like I'm not necessarily for matches going longer, but I think it would have benefited for maybe, I don't know, another 3 to 5 minutes. I think could have you could have filled it out and had like you know both guys look a little bit more dynamic in the match. I, mm-hmm. it's, a, it's still a fun match for what it is, uh, but I do think it, it could have like just used just to put it over the top, over, you know, just make it that more special. Another, like, maybe make it, like, 10 to 12 minutes long. I, yeah, I think it could have gone 15, to be quite honest with you. I think the, the hype was already, like, the crowd's attention was that, there that much for it. It was an enjoyable match while it lasted. Primarily, I would say, I think the work was really strong, but primarily because of the atmosphere. The Impact Zone, like, really rea- reacted to this as if it was a dream match, which completely reflected you know, how I was watching it. But the match, I uh, all in all, I thought the match was very average, mainly due to its length and because I don't think they ever really got out of first gear. You know, it felt like we had a really good first half of a match. And um, I think, you know, especially if your expectations going into this were something perhaps close to the caliber of Joe versus Kobashi, I, I would say that you might have left this disappointed. If you were coming into this as a completely, you know, relatively new fan of both Samoa Joe and Jushin Liger, I think this was like a really good X Division opening match. It just depends on, I think, what your expectations are. And I think I I fall more so into the camp of, of the uh, the people who were disappointed that this was 
being treated as just an opener when I think in my mind, I almost built this up to like semi-main event level. Yeah, I, I agree with you. I, I do think it's kind of a missed opportunity for TNA to have like something in their library that was like, it could have been uh, a far more you know significant match for, for both men, but it is what it is. Um, I, I, you know, like I talking about the finish, like obviously Samojo's like, you know, he's the up and coming star in the business. He's like, he's going to be a top star for TNA. So like, I thought it was really smart that he went over. It would have made absolutely zero sense for, for Liger to win since like this, this loss wouldn't really be, even be covered that heavily in the media in, in Japan. So mm-hmm. I thought, I'm sure Liger was told, this is the finish. What do you think? He probably was like, yeah, he's Samojo. He probably knows who he is. He's like, he's bigger than me. Look at him. He's, oh, he's so athletic. I have no problem putting this guy over. And it, it's another example of like how Liger goes out of his way really to like just not be political and just puts over younger wrestlers, especially if he sees some potential in them. I, I, you know, it, 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 it even makes me wonder if like he would argue, like if somebody were to suggest something more substantial, um, like even talking about his last matches that we just sat through, uh, at, at Wrestle Kingdom, I mean, those ended in a very similar, I would say almost kind of flat way, you know, where you're expecting a bigger comeback towards the rush, uh, to the finish from Liger. And instead they just kind of end. I mean, we don't know, like you know, why these matches were the way they were. I, I mean, logic dictates that he would have had more significant matches. Like his last match should have been, I feel a singles match, but, but maybe he can't do one. Maybe there are nagging injuries that preclude him from, you know, having a, a 15 minute match with Will Ospreay where, you know, like Ospreay would carry the brunt of like doing all the bumping in the match, obviously, but maybe he's just like, no, I don't, I don't want to do it. Who knows? Maybe he just didn't feel like it. At this point in his career, in his life, but I mean, you know, he was happy. Like honestly, the best part of that Wrestle Kingdom weekend was seeing him in there with his family, with his son and his mm-hmm. wife, and that just warmed my heart. I was just like, that's such a lovely scene, and it just I think encapsulates what a great human being he is. He can go and be the suburban dad now. That's true. He's doing the gimmick that, yeah. that Vince Russo may or may not have pitched to him in 2005, and he's doing it right now. I, I bought the, the commemorative Liger issue uh, from Weekly Pro, and it's just great. It's just like him in his house. Like oh. There's tons of shots of him in his house with his Godzilla collection. Wow. He's got a massive Godzilla toy collection and posters and all this stuff. He's got a collection of masks from every masked wrestler he's ever faced. Way. I think probably wow. from the matches that he had with them, and and it's just like unbelievable the, these pictures of like looking at his different collections of memorabilia in his house is just really amazing. It just seems like really just a positive family man. I know I know he does training at the uh, at the dojo uh, these days. Like uh, we had lunch with Tohanare and Fraser, and he was talking a bit about that and about the dojo life, and like he's pro- Liger's probably going to be there all the time now. Like he's he's always there anyways, and he takes care of the young boys. Like every generation of of new young lions that comes through that dojo, he he's taking care of them and and and, and you know teaching them how to cook nabe, and, and that's like his going to be his continuing legacy in the in the sport of professional wrestling way. It's like how, helping guide and, and foster these new talents that come through. You know, New Japan's excellent training system. That's sort of like, um, I think the New Japan world that I want is like the camera into the dojo to see 
Jushin Liger teaching people how to cook. <laughs> and like scolding them when they put too much salt or yeah. something. That would be amazing. Like, I, that's, what, that's where I want my 9.99 yen to go. Okay, so here's, here, here, here's what we have. We have Liger and Nakanishi as the, the house mothers. And they're just like scolding these guys. And then like, you didn't, you didn't make that rice. Like, uh, you made it too flaky. And then to body slam him and just abuse him in the ring as punishment. That would be amazing. Or like a, just a Romero special for like an hour. And know? he has to, and, and the guy has to balance like a hot, like uh, Ooh. pot on, on a pad. Of course, you don't want to really want to hurt the guy, but it's Damn. like, don't move, don't move. Or are you going to get scalded? <laughs> that, that'd be amazing. I got to pitch this. Brilliant. I got to talk to Chris Charlton and say, hey, I got an idea to pitch for New Japan World. How about this? And I'll be the, and I'll be the executive for a certain way. You can come over and you can hang out at the dojo, and then we'll go out and eat with these guys. That would be amazing. Oh, I I, I take my money right away. <laughs> exactly. Well, that that brings us to the the wrap of this. This is the penultimate episode, Wade. Like I got one more episode with with John Pollock coming up next week, and then I'm I'm wrapped up thunderstruck, and and I want to thank. You know, while I have you here, I want to thank you and John for providing the platform for me to to do the show about one of my favorite wrestlers of all time. And I thought so apropos in terms of like timing, because it, it is, it, you know, we've seen like the end of his career throughout like the, the beginning of Thunderstruck. And then we ran through to now we're in the post kind of postseason of his career. So I, I want to say like, it's been great doing this. And, and I got to thank you and John for providing the platform. Oh, man, like we we really like we do thank you but we really should be thanking you and i think all, all the listeners are really appreciative of like the amount of work that you put into this um just not just you know booking the guests themselves but like recording the shows making those descriptions and just coming up with just this brilliant idea to celebrate this this wrestler's life i've i've no doubt you've enriched a lot of people's appreciation for jushin liger and probably made that run up to his retirement that much more of a meaningful experience for everybody so uh, thank you, WH, and I look forward to your next project. Yeah, well, we'll we'll announce that on the next episode publicly. I've I've been hinting at it throughout the the uh, the, the series here away, but we'll we'll save the announcement for for next uh, week's episode. Uh, in the meantime, like obviously, this is being recorded ahead of time. Uh, but do you have any plugs? I'm not sure what the schedule is. I don't know if like you can plug the the <laughs> the, the Q and A that you're gonna have in Tampa for WrestleMania weekend. But that looks like it's going to be fun. I, w- I was talking to, like I said, Robert Pearson, and he was telling me a bit about the details you guys had for that. It sounds like a fun event. I wish I could go to this one. The Toronto one was a lot of fun for me to, to just be in the audience for. I thought it was really fun. And to get to meet all the listeners, that was one of the highlights for me. Well, um, but yeah, like I don't know what, what else to plug. Listen to everything, everyone, at postwrestling.com. Read all the articles. What, what, what number is this? This is 20... Sorry. I, I'm trying to remember what number the last one was. Uh, I think it was like 25, maybe. Okay, because I think the, the Q&A was uh, two weeks ago. So, okay. So. I hope good, everyone had an awesome time. time. <laughs> it was but, a great you know, time. Definitely, you know, definitely, wait, we, you got to cut. You come back to Japan. We, we have to spend more time together. Oh, 100%, 100%. Yeah. Uh, or when you come back to Toronto. You know, you know like, I, I want to I like, be in Japan every every year if i could uh so um i guess the question is will you be in japan the next time i'm there well we'll see we'll see um i'm not leaving anytime soon it seems so we'll we'll see if you're here you and you and uh me you and pauline are here next time 
Let's go. You know where we should go? We should take a road tri- a, a train trip down to down to uh, Fukuoka to the to the other I'm side so, of Japan. I'm so down. I'm so down. You and, know, I, I got to travel a little bit, but I there's still there's still so much of Japan I haven't been able to see. So many so many different types of ice cream that I haven't tried yet. All right. So how about this? Wait. Next time you're going to come, contact me. Let's plan a trip down to Fukuoka. We can go up to Ishikawa as well. We can see tons of cool old style Japanese houses. Lots of great seafood in the area. We can we can find some interesting like shrines and temples to go to. It'll be fun and, and lots of onsens there as well for you to enjoy as well. <laughs> onsen, definitely yes. Um, post post onsen, yeah. The post onsen. The post onsen, we should yeah. like that should be like the new project. You and you and John open up a hot spring, uh, a public <laughs> bathhouse in Toronto <laughs> for wrestling for wrestling fans only. <laughs> <laughs> That's next year's WrestleMania. We're not doing a Q and A it next year. It'll be a communal hot spring. Oh yeah, hot that was pub. awesome. You, John, Braden, <laughs> Brandon, MJ, yes. Jesse. <laughs> Close, close completely optional, of course. No, it's no, it's complete nude. Yeah. Anyways, with that being said, four way take. I'm Doug H. Park. To all the listeners, thanks for supporting Thunderstruck. Thanks for listening to the episode, and I'll see everyone on the on the next episode, which will be the last episode. And until then, I say goodbye. <laughs>